Matthew chapter 16 and verse 18. We've been looking at this verse quite a bit here in the first quarter of this year. And um, I want to take a look at it again. It says in verse 18, And I also say to you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades, or hell, shall not prevail against it, and I will give to you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Uh, this is Jesus speaking to his disciple Peter. He asked his disciples, who do men say that I am? And, you know, the, most of them couldn't get it right. They were just speaking what everyone else was saying. But Peter spoke out by the Holy Spirit and said, you are Jesus Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus responds to Peter, and he brings up for the first time his church or his body and says, I am going to build my church on this rock. Now, Peter's not the rock that the church is built on. The rock that he was referring to was the revelation of God's word. We have to understand that, that church is only built on the revelation of on God's word. Church is not built on a man. Church is not built on a ministry. Church is not built on a name. It's not built on any natural means. Church is built on the revelation of God's word. If we are not revealing God's word in church services, then we, have a, we do not have a solid foundation to build the church upon. Everything else will crumble. If you build it on your presentation, you build it on your... Uh, light show and your music or your worship ministry or your children's ministry, those things will crumble. We need to have the church built on the solid foundation, the revelation of God's word. But that's not where we're going to go today. Just wanted to throw that in there as a side note. It says, and I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven and whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. What Jesus is talking about here is he is talking about the authority that he has and he is transferring it or delegating it to his church, his body. I like the way the New Living Translation reads it. It says, Now I say to you that you are Peter, which means rock, and upon this rock I will build my church, and all the powers of hell will not conquer it. You want to be a part of his church. You want to be a part of his church. His church is the only thing mentioned in the Bible that hell cannot conquer. Hell cannot, cannot defeat the church, the body of Christ. Verse 19, and I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And whatever you forbid on earth will be forbidden in heaven. And whatever you permit on earth will be permitted in heaven. We see here that it's the church's responsibility in the earth to forbid or permit or allow things to take place in the earth. We've seen this before. And so I want to talk this morning about kingdom authority. I want to talk about how we exercise our authority because uh, the Holy Spirit spoke to me a few weeks ago in just some study that I was doing. And um, he said, due to a miscommunication of authority, uh, most believers have never spoken directly to the devil. They talk to God and expect God to take care of their problem for them. I'll say that again. Most believers have never spoken directly to the devil they have spoken to God 
and are asking God to take care of their problem for them. God, heal me, or God, take away this sickness. God, uh, change my financial situation. But what I want to show you today is that the authority, the responsibility actually falls on us as believers now. God does not need to defeat the devil. That has already taken place. He, he will not fight the devil anymore. The Bible says that Jesus went to heaven and he is seated at the right hand of the Father. He is sitting down. You might have seen those cool little chairs that we bought that are next door. You might be sitting in one of those things because those things are pretty comfortable if you haven't sat down in one yet. They're, they're called easy chairs. And I got a picture of Jesus just sitting back, lounging down, because he has fought the battle. The war is over in his book. Now he has delegated the authority to us. Now, we are his body. We are his church. So if he's won, we have won. But if all the responsibility is on God, then why are we to carry armor, according to Ephesians chapter 6? Why did Paul say, I have fought the good fight of faith? Why did he have to fight if Jesus already took care of all that? Or if God is still fighting, why is Paul equipped with why is he battle ready? Why is he ready to go to battle against the devil? So we have to understand that the responsibility of the authority has now been delegated to Christ's body, who we have seen for several months now, is the church. If you're not a part of his church, then you don't operate in his power. I'll just go ahead and say that. If we are not connected with his church, then we will not operate in his power. You have to be connected to Christ to operate in Christ's power. But now that we're connected to the church, now that we've understood that and we've understood how to get connected, we're learning how to work together and this is one body with many members, we've looked at this, now we want to understand how to operate in this authority because we can no longer be believers that just pray to God about our problems. We've got to start speaking to our problems. We've got to start talking to the source of the problem. If you keep on going down in uh, Matthew chapter 16 and verse 21, we see Jesus have this conversation with Peter about, I'm going to give you full authority. I'm going to give you the keys to the kingdom of heaven. Keys mean access. Keys mean authority. If I give you keys to this building, then you have access and you have the authority and you have the right to enter this building. And if anyone were to question you, you can say, Pastor Mark gave me the keys. So, look what happens in verse 21. From that time, Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders and chief priests, scribes, and be killed and be raised the third day. What is Jesus doing here? He is revealing his purpose. The whole reason Jesus came to the earth was to restore the kingdom and the way he's going to do that is by going to the cross and he's going to suffer many things from the chief priests, the soldiers, the uh, elders, the scribes, the Pharisees, all those that hated him and hated his mission, which were religious people, not lost people. The religious people hated what Jesus came to do. He messed up all their stuff, messed up their tradition, messed up their laws, shut all that down and said, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And so now he's revealing his purpose. But then Peter, 
who just had a word from God by the Holy Spirit. Watch what he says. Then Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him, saying, Far be it from you, Lord, this shall not happen to you. He's telling Jesus, your purpose is not going to take place. Because I don't like it. Because we're buddies. We're pals. We've been hanging out for three and a half years. We, we're, we're together in this thing. I don't want to lose you. I don't care if you do save the whole world. He missed all that and he just saw the tunnel vision of I'm going to lose you. And so he says, far be it from you, Lord. But he turned to, and said to Peter, Jesus, turned and said to Peter. Said to who? Peter. Get behind me, Satan. Wait a minute, I thought he was talking to Peter. Now he's talking to Satan. First he was talking to Peter, now he's talking to Satan. What's he revealing here? But he turned and said to Peter, get behind me, Satan. One of the first things you have to know about authority is you have to recognize the source of an attack. Now here's the thing about an attack. Attacks in your life are always against your purpose. The devil is after your purpose. He doesn't care about you, but he cares, he cares about what you can accomplish in Christ. Every time the devil attacks you, no matter how, whether it be physically, whether it be emotionally, whether it be spiritually, whether it be financially, he is attacking your purpose. He's trying to grab a hold of what you have come to do. He's trying to grab a hold of your mission. And he's against that. He does not want that to take place. And so he puts all these attacks and hindrances, obstacles, and stumbling blocks in your life to get you and to keep you from fulfilling your purpose in the mission that you are here in the earth to fulfill. So the first thing you have to understand is that the attack is against your purpose not specifically against you. But here's the other thing you have to understand. True authority means recognizing the source of the attack. Notice that Jesus didn't say, Peter, get behind me. He said, get behind me, Satan. Jesus did not attack the natural man, Peter. He attacked the spiritual source behind Peter, the source that... Peter was giving himself to. And then he goes on to say, uh, get behind me, Satan, for you are an offense to me. You are not mindful of the things of God, but the things of man. He's saying, Peter, you don't have your mind set on what God, when 30 seconds before he did. He was mindful of the things of God when he said, you are Christ, the son of the living God. He got outside of his natural mode, and he got into God's mindset. But now he quickly turns and gives himself to another. Just as Peter was giving himself to the Holy Spirit when he spoke the first time, now he's given himself over to the devil when he spoke the second time. So you've got to understand, when we're exercising our authority in Christ, we're never attacking a natural thing. The bank isn't attacking you when they denied that loan. Your friends at or your friends at work, coworkers, they're not attacking you. 
There's a, there's a source behind that. There's a spiritual source behind that. But if we get lost in just looking at the natural, I mean, Jesus could have said, Peter, you're an idiot. Get away from me. I don't want to be around you. But he didn't say that. He realized, no, Peter's given himself to a different source. We don't war against flesh and blood. We war against principalities and powers. In fact, if we go to Ephesians chapter 1, you'll see. Ephesians chapter 1. So true authority recognizes the source of an attack. Jesus just gave his authority to his church. And then he quickly shows how it operates. And notice he said, get behind me, Satan. He didn't ask his father, Jesus, to remove Satan. He didn't say, God, will you, will you tell Satan to get behind me? No, he said, get behind me, Satan. He spoke directly to him. Now, Ephesians chapter 1, verse 15. Therefore, I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints, do not cease to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him, the eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of his calling, what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints, and what is the exceeding greatness of his power toward us who believe according to. That word, uh, those words according to mean equal to or like. So the power that is working towards us is equal to the power that work that was working in Christ when he raised him from the dead. That is how powerful our authority is. The power that is working in us is the same level, the same quality of power that raised Christ from the dead after being dead three days. That's powerful stuff. That's exciting stuff. To know that I have the same power and the same authority working in me that raised Jesus from the dead after being dead for three days. I have that same authority. I have that same power. Every believer has that same power. The power toward us who believe according to the working of his mighty power, which he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead, seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places, far above. Far above, not nipping at your heels. Far above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in that which is to come. And he put all things under his feet and gave him to be head over all things to the church, which is his body. To the church, which is his body. We've said this before. If it's under Jesus' feet, it's under your feet. Just ask yourself the question. When something comes up in your life and you're wondering, do I have authority over that? Do I have dominion over that? Ask yourself, does Jesus have authority over that? And if Jesus has authority over it, you have authority over it. It's that simple. If it's under Jesus' feet, it is under our feet. We have to quit giving ourselves to stuff that we have authority and dominion over. 
you're going to see there's going to be a lot of responsibility placed on us as believers. Things that we thought maybe God was taking care of or God was allowing to happen or God wanted to teach us something through. We're going to find out that we had the authority and the power the whole time. And it was up to us to enact that authority and to walk in it and to work it out. I remember Brother Hagin had a, a great story. He had Jesus appear to him five times. Five times Jesus appeared to him. There was one time Jesus appeared to him, and he was having a conversation with Jesus right there in his bedroom. Now, I love what Brother Hagin said because, uh, you know, there were some people that, you know, wanted to be on Brother Hagin's level and wanted to, uh, you know, man, he's just such a spiritual person, and he's seen Jesus five times, and he hears from God. He's always getting a word of knowledge, always getting, you know, these words of wisdom, always operating in in healings and miracles and manifestations, and his ministry is just phenomenal. And he told another pastor, he said, I'm nobody special. I'm nobody special. Anybody can have this. They just have to be willing to pay the price that I've paid to live this life. Because Brother Hagin would stay up all night reading the entire Bible. He would stay up all night praying. He would stay up he would get up any time he felt a beckoning. It'd be 3 o'clock in the morning, and he'd get up and pray in the Holy Spirit or pray if he felt that urge. You have to be that committed and disciplined to that kind of life. And so he paid the price, and he said, I'm nobody special. But here he is having this conversation with Jesus. And then this thing showed up right in between him. It was floating right there in between him and Jesus. And he said it looked like a little monkey, and it was just making this yapping noise. And he's like, why, why isn't Jesus doing anything about this? I can't hear anything he's saying. I can't see him. What is going on? And he finally asked Jesus, he said, why aren't you doing anything about it? And he said, I can't do anything about it. It's up to you. And so he quickly said, in the name of Jesus, I command you to go. And he said the thing fell to the ground and was just yelping on the ground like a little dog. The responsibility to operate in the authority was on Brother Hagin's part. Jesus could do nothing without using Brother Hagin. Why? Because he's the head and we're the body. And the head can think it. All at once. But unless the body is actually doing what the head is thinking, nothing's getting done. So Brother Hagin had the authority. Brother Hagin had the responsibility. You have the same authority Jesus had. Well, how much authority is that? Well, Jesus said over in Matthew uh, 18 uh, or Matthew 28, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Well, that pretty much covers it. <laughs> that sums it up. And if he has all the authority, then how much authority does the devil have? None. If he has all the authority, that leaves no authority left over for the devil. Well, then how come he gets to do things? Because it's up to us to forbid or to allow as the church. 
And so we have to understand the responsibility of authority, and we're the ones that have to operate in that. If sickness tries to come on your body, you're the one. We don't have to say, uh, God, take this sickness away, because guess what? He already has. So really, we should be saying, God, thank you for providing my healing for me through your son, Jesus, when he took those stripes on his back, and I now operate in that authority, and in the name of Jesus, I command the healing to operate in my life. It's that simple. It's that simple. That's how it works. You can use that for your finances. You can use that for healing. You can use that for favor. You can use that for a job. You can use that for anything that you're needing. If the devil is attacking your purpose, you have authority over that. And you've got to understand the source. Your job didn't fire you. They're not, the, they're not the source. There's another source behind that. And so we can get angry and we can fight in the flesh against something else in the natural. But when it comes down to it, there was another source that's trying to hinder you from your purpose. There's another enemy out there that is out there to steal, to kill, and to destroy. And so we have to operate in this authority. Look at James chapter 4. James chapter 4 verse 7. Now, this is the key. This is probably the most important ingredient that you will see in walking in our authority. And this is the one most believers miss the most. Therefore, submit to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. We're real good at quoting the resist the devil, and he will flee from you. We love that part, but we forget what goes in front of it. Therefore, submit to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Notice, who's doing the resisting? Who's doing the resisting? God or us? We are. Therefore, submit to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Now, this one bothered me for a long time because I, I always thought of them as two different positions. I got to submit to God, and then I got to come over here and resist the devil. But I quickly found out that as long as I'm in submission to God, I'm resisting the devil. The devil cannot touch you, and the devil cannot win in your life. If you are submitted to God. But you will not resist the devil. If you're not fully submitted to God's authority. And this is the one that we miss. And here's one thing that happens. Because God is gracious. And God is merciful. And there are times where he will show up in our lives. And things will take place even when we weren't obedient to his word. But if you make a lifestyle and a habit out of leaning on that you will begin to fail. I want to make that clear because there, we, we see God show up and do things in our life even when we weren't fully obedient to his word in certain situations. And we should have been doing this all along and then something shows up and then this thing takes place and 
God still moves. God still is loving. God is still gracious. He's giving us room to grow, and he wants to show you, I am all-powerful, and I can take care of your situation, and I can give you favor in your life. But what he's saying is next time, we need to obey the word of God. The devil is roaming around the earth looking for that person that will not submit to God. That's easy prey. He's done it from day one. Had Eve and Adam stay submitted to God's word, there was nothing the devil could have done to them. You got to understand that. That's the key. That is the key. If you want to resist Satan in your life, if you want to operate in authority over something else, you have to remain under authority. As long as Adam and Eve remained under authority to God, the ultimate authority, the devil could not touch them. As long as King Saul remained under authority and obeyed God and his word given through Samuel the prophet, King Saul had full reign and full authority as the king of Israel. Where did he go wrong? the second he came out of submission to God's authority. 1 Samuel 15, we see that story that he's given a word from Samuel. God says, go and destroy, utterly destroy the Amalekites. Don't leave anything alive. Every uh, animal, every human being, every king, every servant, every soldier, every slave. Destroy them all. Children, babies, moms, dads, destroy them all. Yeah, it sounds cruel. Why would God command that? But if you go back and study the Amalekites and who they were and the oppression that they brought against God's people, see, God uses us to bring judgment and destruction on others that don't follow his plan. God used Israel. That's why he said, that's why he told uh, the, the uh, Israelites when they were going into the promised land. He said, we're, you will destroy them and you will take this land over, but you're going to do it city by city. And you are going to bring my judgment upon them because they have refused my word. They have refused to hear me. They have refused to obey me. They have refused to live for me. But King Saul disobeyed. And that was the moment that Samuel looked at King Saul and says, The kingdom this day has been torn from you. It's been ripped out of your hands. Why? You failed to remain in submission to God as your king, so you are no longer king. You didn't remain under his authority, so you're not going to remain in authority. You are going to have a hard time telling the devil to do anything in your life if you cannot fully submit to God's authority in your life. This is clear in Mark chapter 11, verse 25. We love 24. Anything that you have 
anything that you ask for, you speak to this mountain and it has to be removed and be cast into the sea. Whatever you pray for, whatever you ask for, it will be given to you. We love that one. But then verse 25 talks about what hinders those prayers. Your prayers can be hindered if we are not fully submitted to the king. And you're going to have a hard time telling the devil to do anything if he's in control over you. If we're not going to remain fully submitted to God and his word and where he tells us to go, what he tells us to do, he may show up with favor in our life for a little while because he's gracious and he's loving and he's merciful, but you do not want to make a habit of that. That cannot become a lifestyle. Look at Matthew chapter 8. Matthew chapter 8 is a perfect example of this. It's one of my favorite stories. Matthew chapter 8 and verse 5. It says, Now when Jesus had entered Capernaum, a centurion came to him, pleading with him, saying, Lord, my servant is lying at home, paralyzed, dreadfully tormented. And Jesus said to him, I will come and heal him. Now how many times had Jesus done that? Gone and healed somebody, or been there in person, been there in their presence. Up to this point, every time. Jairus, you know, his daughter is at home on the verge of death, and he goes and he finds Jesus and says, You've got to come to my house and heal my daughter before she dies. That was the level of faith he had. If you get there before she dies, she'll be healed. Well, there's a flock of people around him. Then we've got the one with the issue of the blood comes up and touches him, slows him down. Jairus is thinking, dude, we're in a hurry here. Because he doesn't have faith that if she dies, he can heal him. He can heal her. And he obviously doesn't have faith that you can just speak the word and she'll be healed from right here, right now. But this man, watch what happens. The centurion answered and said, Lord, I am not worthy that you should come under my roof. But only speak a word, and my servant will be healed. Now look at his reasoning. Look at his reasoning for believing this. For I also am a man under authority. I also am a man under authority, having soldiers under me. He says, I also... Isn't it interesting that a man that we know the word says was full of authority, spoke with power, spoke with boldness, spoke with authority, and people recognize this. This man sees someone who is submitted to authority. He says, the reason why I know you have power to make this happen is because you're under authority, just like I am under authority. And then I have soldiers under me. He says, I know you. You're submitted to your father. How does he know that? Because Jesus was multiply, uh, many times saying, I don't do what I want to do. I don't do anything on my own initiative. 
I do what my father tells me to do. He tells me where to go. He tells me what to say. And I go there and I say it. This man recognizes that Jesus is a man under authority just as much as he's a man in authority. And so he says, I know that when you speak, it's going to take place because all you have to do is speak it because your authority works because you're under authority. And as we go on, verse 10, watch what Jesus says. When Jesus heard it, he marveled and said to those who followed, Assuredly, I say to you, I have not found such great faith in Israel. Not even in Israel. This is the greatest faith moment in the entire Bible. Jesus identifies, he says, this is real faith. This is how faith operates. Someone that can believe that I have authority because I'm under authority. I don't even have to go to the man's house. I don't have to get on his property. I don't have to touch his servant. I don't have to be there in person. His servant will be healed as soon as I speak the word. I say to you that many will come from east and west and sit down with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven, but the sons of the kingdom will be cast out into outer darkness. There will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Then Jesus said to the centurion, Go your way, and as you have believed, so let it be done. This is the picture of submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. We have to get this pattern down because our authority is our responsibility. It is not God's responsibility. God has already whipped the devil. He has already defeated him. He's already made a mockery of him. The devil beats those who don't operate in that authority. The devil overcomes those who think they're fighting flesh and blood, who don't know their source. Ask any military guy. One of the first things you've got to understand when going into battle is you've got to know your source. Where is this coming from? Know where it's coming from. Know who's attacking you. Know what you're dealing with. It's hard to fight against an enemy that you don't really know what you're dealing with. If you don't know the weapons they use, that's why Paul would say, uh, uh, I don't want you to be ignorant of the devil's devices. I don't want you to be ignorant. Hosea 4, 6, uh, my people are destroyed, not because they don't have authority, not because they don't have enough resources, not because they don't have weapons. My people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge. They're ignorant. So first thing you got to know. What am I dealing with? Who's my source? Well, we know who the source is. The enemy has come to steal, to kill, and to destroy. It seems like this day and age we're seeing more and more tragedies just, just overwhelming. Shootings happen on a regular basis now. Trains colliding, earthquakes, 
tornadoes, tragedies, bombings. I mean, if you were just moved by natural circumstances, you'd never come out of your house. I don't know how people do it without God. I don't know how people do it without knowing Jesus. I don't know how people live. I don't understand it. You have to just become so numb to it. But I can walk about knowing that I have angels encamped around my life. I can walk around knowing that I've been given authority and I have protection from the king and nothing is going to stop me because I have a purpose and a mission to fulfill and I'm not leaving this earth until it's done. I'm not going anywhere. The only time I'm leaving is when my mission and my purpose is complete. And I got 120 years to do it. I'll be 30 next weekend. I'm only a quarter of the way there. That's it. Because I got a purpose. I got a mission. Jesus recognized I have a purpose. I have a mission. And get behind me, Satan. You're not going to keep me from fulfilling my mission. Isn't it amazing that he called Peter Satan? But then... When Judas shows up to betray him, he says, he calls him a friend. Judas, the one who is betraying him and turning him over to his enemies, he says, do what you got to do, friend. When Peter was his real friend, see, we call the Peters in our life friends because they're emotionally and naturally attached to us. And then we call those that betray us and turn us over, we call them enemies. But Jesus flip-flopped it. Why? Because he was so clued in on his purpose and so clued in on his mission, he realized Peter is trying to stop my purpose. Judas is only helping me advance my purpose. Because the purpose is the only thing that matters. Your assignment in life is the only thing that matters. And so who you think is an enemy, they might just be helping you accomplish your overall purpose. And those who you think are friends and come alongside you and and, and feel sorry for you and, and try to help you in certain situations, sometimes they may be enemies. We've got to be able to look through the lens of our purpose, the lens of our assignment, and understand then we'll fully understand, is this, purpose, is this person helping me or hindering me? Is this person helping me accomplish the purpose for my life or are they help, are hindering me from my purpose? And then that helps us understand the source. Then that helps us understand who we're attacking, who's attacking us, why they're attacking us, and how do we properly fight against that. Then we've got to learn how to get submitted to God and his word. Because if we're not fully submitted to him, nothing will be submitted to us. You see it over and over in the word of God. And then we take on that responsibility and we rebuke Satan. We resist Satan. We don't ask God to do it for us. We walk in that. We operate in that. We speak to the mountain and watch it move. We speak to the devil directly ourselves using our words. And don't get angry about it. 
Some people just do it in anger. If you cuss out the devil, it's not going to help you any. I'll just go ahead and let you know. We've all been there. That's all you want to do, but it ain't going to work because we're not submitted to God. We're, we're out of submission when we're trying to put submission on something else, and it just don't work that way. So we got to look at our lives and find out where am I missing it. Because I, when, all, I, all I know is when the test comes, when the trial comes, when the attack comes, I want to be in a position where I can tell the devil where to go. Tell him what to do. Knowing. See, Jesus had full assurance. I can speak to the devil and say, get behind me, Satan, because I am fully submitted to my king, to my authority. And so we've got to know. Amen? And that's how authority works. That's how the church works. The church in power operates. Father, we thank you for your word today. We thank you that you have given us all authority, all power. You have delegated that to us as your body. Father, we know that there is nothing that you can do or accomplish in the earth without us standing and walking and operating in that authority. So I thank you this morning, Father, that we grab a hold of who we are. We grab a hold of the power and the authority that you have given us. We stand in that. There is nothing too big for you, so there's nothing too big for us. Nothing is impossible for you. And you said, with you, all things are possible. We are in you. You are in us. Your power and your authority resides in us. And now you're waiting for us to enact that. Now you're waiting for us to walk in that. Now you're waiting for us to speak it out with our words. Father, right now we look inward. We look inside ourselves. Any area of our life that we haven't submitted to you, any area of your life we haven't fully given to you, we give it up now in the name of Jesus. We let that go. We come into your submission. We follow and obey your word. And then we will know. We'll have full confidence, full assurance that when we speak to the enemy, he has to go. When we resist the devil because we are submitted to you, he will flee. We thank you for that this morning. We thank you for what you're going to do in our lives because we grab a hold of your word, walk in your word, walk in full obedience, and nothing can stop us from our purpose. Nothing can keep us from the assignment you have given us. In the name of Jesus, and everyone said, amen.